Good morning, NFC East. Welcome to this Thursday. Happy first day of NFL season, baby. Let's go. I'm ready for Bills Rams in T-minus 13 hours, ready for kickoff. I got my man, Tone DeShields, with me today. It's it's a Tone Thursday. Tone, how you doing, my man? Uh, I'm doing good, Jeff. You know, football is one day closer. You know, we have the, the Rams and the Bills tonight. You know, I'm I'm super excited. I can't even I can't even contain it. <laughs> Super Bowl preview tone? Do we think this is going to be a Super Bowl? No, no. <laughs> uh, I don't think the Rams will be back. Um, it's really hard to repeat in this league. So I, I, I just don't know if the Rams can actually get back. Maybe they get to the conference championship, but I just don't think they'll be able to get over the hump to the Super Bowl again. Um, again, like I said, it's hard to repeat. You know, it's crazy. The NFC East hasn't had a repeat winner since 2004, which is the last time we had a Super Bowl win. I, I, what a crazy division. And we're going to have Kyle Stackpole from CBS today, NFL draft editor. Um, he's covered the commanders. And we'll get into the commanders in a bit here. But I'll tell you what, Tone. I, I'm just going to start out right now. I was afraid about this Lions game. I'm not afraid anymore because of Jason Kelsey. Did you hear what Jason Kelsey said yesterday? Yeah, Jason Kelsey pretty much laid it all out. He – he said, look, expectations, they mean nothing. You know, yep. we, if we do <laughs> what, if, you know, it, it's, it, he said a lot of, a lot of F-bombs, you know yeah. what I mean? So, but Jason Kelsey has always been the voice of, you know, the football community, you know, in Philadelphia, the voice of the city, really, you know, he, he took his, he took his lore, he took his legend to another level once he came out with the Mummers outfit at the parade, but you know, Jason Kelsey, he's one of those guys that that demands nothing but commitment. And you can just tell he's a man's man. He he does things the right way. You know, he's he's heavy in the community. He's heavy on giving back. You know, he's he's one of those guys that you can't help but to follow. And, you know, again, Jason Kelsey expects nothing less but, you know, commitment and perfection. You know, if you can't if you can't reach perfection, then aim for greatness. I've been telling people, do not sleep on this Lions team. Just don't. And the Eagles aren't. And I agree with Kelsey 100%. The Eagles haven't accomplished anything, in my opinion. And if they win Sunday, which I think they're going to now, I still don't think they'll accomplish anything. The Eagles, in my opinion, will not accomplish anything until they beat a good team with a winning record. And that's just the first step. Like, I'm not yeah. saying – I'm not like Rick Saratella here. I ain't picking them to go to the Super Bowl. I, I'm not doing it. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't really jump off that cliff with Rick yet either. I'm, 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 I'm not quite there. Not quite there. This is my opinion in this league. You want to pick a team to go to Super Bowl? Do what the Buffalo Bills have been building over the last couple of years. Like they haven't really won a big game either. I mean, they they can't get over the Kansas City Chiefs hump yet, but they're in position to do that. The right. Eagles, they gotta win a playoff game first. To me, they have to do a lot more than what we're expecting them to do. If they win the division, win a playoff game this year, I'll be bought in for 2023. Right now, I, I think this year is about building and making yourself a contender. You know, last year, you know, see, see, it's interesting because you can make an argument that this team is relatively ahead of schedule. Uh, last year, no one expected this team to go nine and eight, make the playoffs. No, that was the, that was the furthest thing we were thinking about. We, we, all we were, all we were concerned with was being competitive. And, you know, seeing the growth in the team and seeing that we have some competency at the coaching, you know, uh, in the coaching ranks. And 
we've seen that to a degree, but the coaches still have a lot to show. But ultimately, you're right. There are still steps that have to be taken, and the Bills have definitely taken the road um, that most have traveled. You know, you get to the playoffs, you lose. I remember um, Josh Allen losing in the playoffs to Deshaun Watson. It was it was it was a crazy game. Uh, and then the following year, you know, they made it a step further. I think they actually made it to the they actually made it to the conference title game. Yeah, the conference title game. They lost to the Chiefs, I think. Yeah. And then, and then the following year, you know, here we are again. Uh, they lose to the Chiefs, but it, I think it was the divisional round. So it's, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are ahead of schedule. If they can manage to win a playoff game this year, then I know we're then I know we're still on schedule. But you know, this is a this is an interesting year because. The Eagles are in a conference that's very, very weak. And I'm sorry, I have questions about the Buccaneers. I have questions about the Packers, you know, and then the Rams. I just don't think they're going to repeat. I really think that I really think that the Philadelphia Eagles, the way they're built and as the season progresses, because they're only going to get better by, you know, by week 18. I expect this team to be, be more polished. I expect them to be a playoff team. And I'll be honest, I think I, I think they can catch a team slipping. I expect this team to be 2-0 going into Washington. I do. I, yeah. I expect them to beat Detroit. They should beat Detroit. And Detroit's a scary team because the old saying goes, you don't know you're bad in week one. Detroit, they're a hungry team. I, I really like Dan Campbell, what he's building there. That offense is lethal. They are not going to have Big V on Sunday, which I think is a big loss for them. Because they, might not, they, might, they may not have their center either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and again, Frank Ragnall is one of the best centers in football. I, I mean – Eagles fans don't want to admit this because we all know Jason Kelsey is the best center in football, but Frank right now is right up there with him. He, he really is, but he's hurt a lot. Jason Kelsey isn't. That That's the difference. But their defense, I'll tell you what, Tony, the Eagles have to go out and score early. The, this Lions defense, it's not very good. Aiden Hutchinson is going to make them better, but there's so many pieces that they need. And Detroit's confident, but how to shatter a confident team early? is to get ahead of them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be important for this Philadelphia Eagles team to come out hot and to not overthink it. Take what they're giving you. Even if you got a nickel and dime your way down the field, there is a such thing as a death by a thousand cuts. And I just feel that they have to score early. They, if, if knowing Nick Sirianni, I believe, I believe he's going to, He's going to ask for the ball first. If if we win the coin toss, he will ask for the ball first. He wants he did to get not do that once last year, right? He, he did. He, he didn't. But he all. But in the in the preseason, he done it. He he did. He did it every single game. So uh, I'm curious. To, I'm curious that depending on the opponent, if he's going to be more focused on getting his offense out there, getting his defense out there. I think I think he wants to get that offense out there. I think he wants to get them in a rhythm early. I'm still not concerned over Miles Sanders. Everybody's, you know, with the whole preseason. To me, I think players or teams rest running backs in the preseason. Yeah. I, I just do. And all of a sudden, he's a full participant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my concerns with Miles, and you bring up a good point. They do rest running backs in the, in the preseason. But, you know, Miles, I think even beyond the rest – he had a lingering, I believe, hamstring injury or something like that, or a groin, one, one or the other. And my ma my major concern with Miles going into this season is health, and it always has been and always will be health. Miles is a guy that has talent. He has talent. Am I a fan of his vision? Not really. I feel like he overthinks things, and I feel like he regularly picks the wrong hole. Um, but 
he has game breaker ability. He has the ability to break off a 50 yard run if you give him the space. Um, he has to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy, Jeff. I, I can't, I can't, I can't put it no other way than that. Especially this year, because I like what the Eagles have at running back. I think you would yeah. probably get a yard right. behind that right. offensive line, but Boston Scott is what he is. He's a good player. He's a good backup. Kenny Gainwell, I'm not sure what he is yet. I I like Kenny Gainwell. I think he can be not a feature back in the offense, but I think he could be a huge contributor. But he's not a guy I'm relying on to get 20 carries a game if you need to. Miles Sanders can do that. And I think that's going to be the big thing with this football team. Everybody's talking about the passing game and all the weapons. And, look, I'll say it right now. um, George Kittle said Dallas Goddard is going to be a really good player for them. Nationally, I know a lot of people are talking about A.J. Brown, what he's going to do, all the weapons on this team. And Miles Sanders is listening. Dan Campbell specifically mentioned Miles Sanders yesterday. He said, look, and I'll actually get the quote right now. Um, I got to find it here. (laughs) This is tough here. Oh, okay. So this is pretty much what Dan Campbell said when he, he mentioned, look, I can name more than one or two players, but he said, Miles Sanders, when he is on the field, he is a threat. So Dan Campbell knows Miles Sanders is going to be the one guy that can beat you on Sunday. And I think he knows his run defense isn't that good. And Miles Sanders can go, he can have a hundred yard game on Sunday. Right. So, you know, we, have to enter this game with a mindset of they are a different team, different year, different team, different circumstances. You know, we called them while they were 0-8. They knew they were bad. You know, we're catching them at a point where everyone's 0-0 and they believe that they've made some drastic changes to their culture, you know, to their philosophies, to their overall approach. And, you know, it's going to be important for the Eagles not to come in sleepwalking, but overall, do what you do best. Be be, Be physical. And again, it's week one. You don't have to overthink it. You know, you can approach this on a week by week basis based on your opponent. Okay, if my opponent sucks at stopping the run, I'm going to find out if they can stop the run. It's as simple as that. You know, when you when you go up against a top three run defense in the New Orleans Saints last year, and you know they you know they know how to stop the run, and you still run the ball on them anyway. That's a different level of disrespect. So I believe. The the, the 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 Detroit Lions shouldn't be any different. They're actually terrible at stopping the run, so it should give you more reason to execute, you know, your run game. And on top of that, Shane Steichen is going to be calling the place from the beginning. Now, I have a, I have faith in Shane Steichen in terms of his 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 play calling philosophy. I feel like he's going to lean more into Hurts' strengths rather than in the beginning of the season. Nick Sirianni was kind of just trying to force feed that you know that passing game. I think I think Shane is going to you know begin this season very measured and I believe he's going to try to get Jalen in rhythm. He's going to get him some easy throws, but it's always going to go back to that running game. I think, I think we're going to see a lot of play action uh, in week one versus Detroit. Yeah. Who's a big fan of Shane Steichen, Justin Herbert. He's every time I interview Justin Herbert, we talk about Shane Steichen, it, it, you know, the Philly connection, obviously, but I think Shane Steichen has the tools to be an NFL head coach someday. And a lot of people were saying this about Nick Sariani in like 2018, 2019, where he's like, Nick Sariani, really? Like that guy? Like, oh yeah, he's a couple years away. Well, no, it, it happened sooner than we thought. It might be the case of Shane Steichen. We, we keep saying John Fagannon's a rental. Shane Steichen might actually be the rental here because he will be calling plays. And he might be, I'm not saying he's gonna be like the next Brian Dable, but Brian Dable, he wasn't really on the radar until Josh Allen broke out. If Jalen Hurts <laughs> breaks out, Shane Steichen's gonna be a hot commodity. That's a good point. I didn't think about it from that perspective. You've developed Justin Herbert. 
then you've managed to develop Jalen Hurts, a guy that no one really believes in. And it's 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 strange to me. You know, there's wow. nothing that you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having realistic expectations. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, this is where this is where he needs to improve. But you know, you have people who are out there that are it seems like they're going out of their way to just continue to say what he can't do. Instead of talking constructively, they're talking destructively. And it's, it's you know, it's some Eagle fans as well. You know, I'll be honest, you know, I'm boots ground in the Philly. Uh, in Philly, I hear a lot. And you know, there are some people who are high on Jalen Hurts. You have some people who flat out just don't think he can be the guy. And my thing is you better hope he's the guy because if he is, that puts us in a fiscally better position going forward. And if Shane Steichen can develop this guy, that that that'll be huge. You know, it's it's going to be really fascinating to see how Jalen Hurts responds to another year being the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's seen a lot last year. He went up against some pretty good defenses last year. And I feel like that that Tampa Bay game has was was, 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 was sort of a wake up call, if you ask me, not saying he was never a focused individual, but. I feel that I feel like that game went exactly the way it was supposed to, so Jalen Hurts can rise like a phoenix. Yeah, this isn't Ronnie P. This isn't Kevin Cobb. This guy actually showed potential last year. This is, in my opinion, just covering the league. This is when I know you're at least a pretty decent quarterback. When you're mentioned in the milestones and the milestones you can accomplish with Patrick Mahomes, with Justin Herbert, with Josh Allen, with Aaron Rodgers, with these guys, you're mentioned with them, with Lamar Jackson. Uh, by the way, that's another one. I'm getting tired of people ripping Lamar. Lamar is good, and yeah. he's going to get paid, and Baltimore should pay him. I I, I want Baltimore to pay him. It's I, I get tired of people hearing he can't throw. Well, guess what? Lamar can throw because he loves to leave the touchdown passes. He can throw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get sick of that. Like, what, what, what are Eagles fans going to do? What are – the Jalen Hurts hater is going to do if he throws 30 touchdowns this year. You know what they'll say, Tone? Oh, should have threw 40. Man, it, it never fails. But uh, we have Kyle Stackpole um, back b- b- backstage right now. This is going to be a, a really dope segment. I'm really looking forward to this one, Jeff. What about you? Oh, Stack's the man. Uh, Stack and I talk football all the time. I'll tell you what. He saw Carson Wentz up close and personal this year. We, we got to hear the reports how Carson Wentz looked in camp. Kyle Stackpole has seen Carson Wentz. Kyle Stackpole used to work for the Commanders. If there's anybody that knows the ins and outs of that organization, it's Kyle Stackpole. Hey, man. Well, you guys, make sure you continue to stay locked in on Jacob Sports. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys are consistently staying locked in on Good Morning NFC East with Jeff Kerr. We're going to be back after the break with Kyle Stackpole. Keep it locked, you guys. greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 
58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pond Lee Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Are we working together tonight, by the way? We're not. I'm actually I'm actually off tonight, so I'll be enjoying the game from my couch. But uh, we'll be working Sundays all year long, so I'm looking forward to it. Thanks oh, for having no, me. Man. It's going to be a fun year. Last year we had a blast. Uh, did Washington uh, call you to play tight end yet, by the way? Yeah, really. <laughs> They're calling everyone. <laughs> I mean, who who is going to be the tight end? Is it going to be Bates? Yeah, it's going to be Bates. And then you have a couple of rookies behind him while Logan Thomas gets ready to go. They actually have liked what they've seen from uh, Cole Turner, their draft pick, and then and, uh, un- a couple undrafted guys, Armani Rogers and uh, Curtis Hodges. So they have – initially they kept five tight ends on the 53-man roster. They've since moved one of them to IR. But I think they're just looking for somebody to step up while Logan Thomas is out. But I, I think Bates can be, he's not Logan Thomas, but he can at least be something and be somewhat of a threat for that offense. You were at commander's camp. We heard the reports. Carson Wentz was inaccurate, but well, I've heard that the last five years. I mean, I've reported that at Eagles camp before. How really did he look? Yeah, he looked, he looked fine. He, he, didn't, he didn't blow me away. And I don't think he, blew anyone else away that was at camp every single day you can just based on what Washington has had a quarterback the last five years you know before or uh, since Kirk Cousins left it's Carson Wentz is an upgrade because those quarterbacks just have not been 
NFL level starters. And so the fact that you have a former number two pick, he definitely looks the part with his size and his arm strength. And while his accuracy has was inconsistent and he had days where he threw some nice balls and he had other days where you know, he was missing high. So I think that for, it's, it's all relative with Washington. You look at this quarterback and you say, okay, he's better than what we had for the past five years. But the question is, can he get you where you want to go, which is being a Super Bowl contender? And I don't know. I didn't see it in training camp. And but, you know, it doesn't matter really in training camp if he, if he turns it on when when the games come on. But I'm, I'm definitely skeptical. And uh, I think fans should definitely be cautiously uh, optimistic as they start the season with Wentz under center. This is what's scary about Washington. I, I think they could be a playoff team. But when you kind of talk to Commanders fans, I, I know a couple from the D.C. area of Virginia, they just don't seem that excited about this football team this year. Yeah, I think a big part of it, too, is the defense a couple of years ago was ranked basically top five across the board. It's what carried them to an NFC's title, whatever that means, that, that year with you know all those teams just being not very good. But then last year, the defense was supposed to be even better, and they were just horrible, and they could not get off the field on third down, and, and that was the biggest thing that basically you know screwed them out of a lot of games. And while they made a lot of offensive changes this year, they didn't really do much on defense. And even in the preseason, the first-team defense just could not get off the field. And if you can't get off the field on third down, then that just extends drives. That makes the defense more tired. That – allows the other opposing offense to eat up more clock. And I think that's – people are excited about the offense because, you know, Wentz is a, a good quarterback relative to what they've had, and, and their skill players actually are pretty decent, uh, especially when you add Jahan Dotson, who's who's looked better than I think what some people gave him credit for. When I mean, you know, when, uh, <laughs> when he got picked 16th overall. But I think it's really that defense because they have the pieces to be solid – but the preseason hasn't given anyone confidence that they're going to be able to get off the field on third down this year. Does a lot of this, too, have to do with FedEx Field, Dan Snyder? I mean, there's a lot of reasons to not like the Washington Commanders, even though they are – it seems like, at least in football operations, they're led by the right people. Yeah, it's all those distractions. I mean, any fan you talk to is just – they're usually – they just want the season to come. It's like whether it's good or bad because of all the other stuff that's going on. But and I think they are. So I think Washington fans, they are more might be more optimistic just because they've dealt with this for so long. They're like, please, like, let the football season be decent so we can just stop dealing with all the congressional stuff and all the other allegations and just everything clouding over this franchise. But the, the issue is there's there's not a lot to be super, super excited about. And it's even if they do if they were able to sneak into the playoffs this year, it's like, are they able to the goal is the Super Bowl. And if it's not sneaking into the playoffs at, you know, 10 and seven or nine and eight. So I think fans are, they get really excited for week one because they say, okay, we can just focus on football now, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. And if they lose, especially because they have the first two games, they have the Jaguars and, and Lions. So fans are thinking, Oh, easy. Like we'll go two and up. But those same those other fan bases are thinking the same thing. Washington's a winnable game, and so I think that I mean the Jaguars, uh, Carson Wentz's nemesis. If they come out and beat Washington Week One, then all hell's going to break loose.
I'm glad you brought up the Jaguars because I think they have an opportunity to win this game, right? I, I, you know, I like what Trevor Lawrence has brought to the table. I like what this football team has done with Doug Peterson. And yet it, it feels like there's such an unknown, quite honestly. Yeah, there, there is a lot of unknowns with them. And, uh, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, you, people, it's almost like they almost forget that, that Lawrence was seen as like, you know, the best quarterback prospect since like Andrew Luck came out. And then you had Urban Meyer and he struggles and everyone just assumed that he, he stinks now. But you have some like Doug Peterson, who is a very quality coach. They did a lot of work in free agency. They went out and got a bunch of receivers. They, they beefed up the defense. And I think, People are yeah really underestimating the Jaguars, and I actually think the I've been looking at the you know the betting markets and then and the Jaguars have started to get some, some money and I think it's down under a field goal now. I think basically that that should be viewed as as more of a, a pick'em. I think the only thing with Jacksonville it might take some time for them all to gel with all these new pieces. So I think that works in Washington's favor. It would be better for them to play them week one than say week eight when Lawrence has gotten more comfortable in that offense, but. I think it's going to be a back and forth game and it's just going to be, I think it's going to come down to ironically, if, if Carson Wentz can make a couple of plays late to either, you know, keep the drive alive or, you know, score a game winning touchdown. And he says it's just another game, but it's more than that. He's got to, if he's, if he's able to play well against the Jaguars after what happened last year, that's going to give him a ton of confidence going into the rest of the year. And on the other side, if he struggles and Washington loses, then that's just going to, People in Washington are going to say, oh, well, he's just continuing what he did in Indianapolis and in that last year in Philadelphia. And where are we going this year? One thing I've learned about Carson Wentz over the years is, and I, I was sick of it by his fifth year in Philly, but he still gives the cliche answers. Like like you said, it's just another game. I'm like, dude, Carson, like you got to give something other than than that. And I feel like that really hurts his vibe in the locker room. Like people don't realize it, but it, it does gravitate toward other players. And I don't think Washington knows that yet, but last year with the Colts, he, he had those answers too. Even at the end of the year, while Jim Irsay, Chris Boward are just ripping this guy to shreds and Reich's sort of defending him. Not really, but like Washington's doing all the right things in terms of getting him, but still like it's, like you said, it's just another game or it's just our opponent. Or I, I, I like to thank Doug Pearson for all he's done for me. I'm like, oh, you didn't want to play with them in the first place. Yeah, I know. It, and you just want him to be – you want these guys to be human, and especially when they struggle. You want them to own their struggles or you want you want them to say, hey, I, I messed this up. I can play better. Or even even address the, the inconsistencies like in camp. Like, you know, I'm not – I haven't been as accurate as I wanted to be, but I'm working on at least at least just admit it instead of just saying, oh, it's just a practice. We're getting ready for the game, because at that point, people just tune you out They're like, oh, Carson Wentz is at the podium every Wednesday. He's not going to say much. So whatever. We'll just see what he does on Sundays. He, he just doesn't seem to have he doesn't have the personality that really where you can get behind him, at least, you know, in my opinion, just viewing him from afar in a couple press conferences. He's just. If he was, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, you know, a top 10 QB, then those answers will be fine because, you know, all right, he'll end up figuring it out on Sunday. But when you have a quarterback that has struggled like he has the past couple of years and then he gives these vanilla answers and then not isn't being publicly accountable for, you know, maybe when he makes some mistakes, then that's going to get the fan base pretty riled up quickly. If it doesn't work this year in Washington, what is his future? Does does he accept the backup role, or does he go to Donovan McNabb route and you just never hear from him again? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I'd assume he want to, you know, stay in the league. I mean, since he's still like relative, he's still young by QB standards. Um, excuse me, we've got a, a plane flying by here, right near, oh, right near uh, Dulles Airport. But yeah, that's that's going to be interesting because, and Washington too has just been, they've been so behind him. They've just been hyping him up from Coach Rivera to the GM. And there was actually a great story in the Washington Post. And it was the past, it was like four quotes from the past five years. And they all, and it, it said, guess whose quotes these were. And I just assumed they were all from Carson Wentz, just Washington fans, you know, hyping, hyping, hyping him up. But it was it was Alex Smith, a quote from about Alex Smith one year, a quote about Case Keenum. It was all the same thing. So they're all just saying the same thing. But it, at that point, it doesn't matter. People are excited because of what is Ron is saying, but it, it it means doesn't mean much until he's on the field and you look what he's able to accomplish. So if, if he's if he gets off to a bad start and Washington puts in Taylor Heineke, then I don't know what happens to Wentz. I, I really don't. And uh, I don't, I don't know if he's. I mean, you. I feel like you might know him a little better than me, just being in Philadelphia. I don't know what his, you know, personality is like. Is he willing to accept a backup role? But it, it's going to get really dicey if if he doesn't perform well these first four games. Hey, well, he did not like when the Eagles traded to Jalen Hurts in the second round, and this is what I loved about Jalen Hurts from the get go. Jalen Hurts walked in there like. Not that he wanted to be the starting quarterback, but he walked in with that confidence. Like, mm-hmm. okay, look, like, I'm going to get people to gravitate toward me. He didn't mean to divide anything. That's just the personality he brings. He's one of those guys you turn to as a leader. Wentz, I feel like unless you're an offensive lineman, and I, I always gave Carson credit for this. He always gave credit to his offensive line, helped his offense. You're an offensive lineman. You love Carson Wentz. But if you're Jahan Dotson and you're Terry McLaurin, I, I'm sure they're going to love him because he's better than anything they've dealt with. But Overall, like in Philly, Alshon Jeffrey wasn't a fan. Uh, I don't think Golden Tate was a fan of the guy at all. I, I think they all wanted Nick Foles to be the quarterback at, at some point. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think Terry Terry is going to love him based on okay. what he's had to deal with his, his first three years. But but even people have been making a big deal about how, you know, early in training camp, how they weren't connecting and how Terry McLaurin missing OTAs is really going to affect their chemistry. And it's like, don't figure that out. Like, that's Terry McLaurin it is not the issue. But yeah, I get what you're saying about about the difference between Hertz and Wentz. I feel like Wentz being that number two overall pick and then really performing at that kind of level that he did in you know before he got hurt. I think that was 2017. Um, so I think after that, he maybe maybe got complacent or maybe thought you know yeah I'm the I'm the guy. I figured this out. Like I'm gonna. We got we got Philly's going to go to a Super Bowl. And then he gets hurt. And then Foles comes in and they win a Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, he's on the outskirts now. And everyone's like, "Oh, we don't need Wentz anymore." And I think that's really weighed on him the past couple of years. And I, but I think if this this is this is the year where if he's going to turn around, then it's, it's going to happen because if his if the guy who had him performing at an MVP level and Frank Reich isn't wasn't able to get enough out of him in one year in Indianapolis. How can that not be a wake up call that this is your last chance, man? Like it doesn't matter if you're the number two overall pick that that was years ago. And there are new guys coming into this league that are performing way better than you have the past couple of years. So if he's able to recognize that and, you know, take coaching and, and really, you know, be hard on himself and, and take critiques, then he has the talent to put it together. I mean, we, we've seen it. It's just been a while. And he, he's got to know that nothing, there's nothing else being given to him. This, this is his last 
chance ser- served on a silver platter. And if not, then you know he's going to be he's going to be out of there. There's another guy that used to be in the NFC East. He's not anymore. Uh, his coach Frank Reich. I mean, Reich's a good coach. I- I'm not going to deny that, but he basically went out of his way. Um, I don't know if you've seen Invincible when Dick Vermeil grabs Papali and mm. goes, I stuck my neck out for you. You know, you start playing football or you're gone. It seems like that's what Reich did with Wentz. And now I feel like Reich's going to be on the hot seat here because Ryan was Ballard's guy and Ursay's guy. And now you, if they don't win with Matt Ryan, do you move on from Frank Reich? Yeah, I think I think you might have to. I mean, everyone – you hear all the reports and you know, you think people are high on Carson Wentz in Washington. And then you listen to Indianapolis and people think that Matt Ryan is the absolute savior. That's going to get the Colts to a Super Bowl undefeated season. Like, they, like he's so accurate and he's such a leader. And like, I get that he is. And, he, and he's an upgrade over what they had in Carson Wentz, but you're right. If, if this doesn't work again, this is kind of, I think it might be Reich's, you know, last, last stand. If, if you can't do it with, with Ryan and now you've tried it with a bunch of these different guys, then it's a matter of, you know what, we just got to, you know, tear, try try to get a QB in the draft and, and go from there. And I don't think Reich would, would be around for that. So that, that's, that's really interesting, but it's also, it's also the fact that it was Ursay's guy and Ursay after the year was saying to Ballard and and Reich, they're like, Wentz has got to go. Like we don't care. I don't care how much I got to give up. I don't care how much we got to take in salary cap. He, he's gone. We, we got to just cut this off. And I think that was an indictment on Reich because Reich probably was like, yeah, this Wentz is my guy. Like we, we can win with him. And then this happened. And I feel like the trust might already be a little bit fractured. And if he's unable to perform this year with a roster that is fully capable of, of going to the playoffs and making a run, even in the pretty t- the really tough AFC, then you could, you're going to have to do some real evaluating and reflecting on is Hey, the right guy to get Indianapolis where it wants to go. What's your vibe on Nick Seriani? I feel like he's one of those guys that he doesn't get talked about as much when we talk about great coaches in this league, maybe because he is a, a second year head coach. But when you talk about the Eagles, you're always talking about Jalen Hurts, you're always talking about the talent. But then Nick Seriani comes up, they're like, wait, he's the Eagles head coach? Yeah, I think for a second year guy, I would almost. If I'm an Eagles fan, I'd always almost like that better because you kind of let the players, you know, be the headlines. And and because if the if the coach is in the, the headlines all the time, I feel like it's it's not usually a good thing. And I get you have these young wonder kind coaches of McVay and Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. But I think for for Sirianni, he's he should be content with, you know, what I've I've come in here first year. We surprised and went to the playoffs. We added some really good pieces across the board. And now I think they moved to be like the betting favorite in the NFC East now over the Cowboys, by the way, which is pretty wild based on where it started this offseason. But I think if, if the Eagles make a run, then people are going to know Nick Sirianni. If you think about Zach, no one knew who Zach Taylor was last year. Zero. The Bengals head coach. I mean, some people are still. I just last year. (laughs) Yeah. Some people are still like, wait, who's Zach Taylor? Oh, yeah, he's the Bengals coach. But and like you couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but then they get to the Super Bowl and now everyone's talking about him. So I just think that it's just a matter of if they're able to make a run to the NFC championship, if they're able to make to the Super Bowl, then plenty of people are going to know about 
who Nick Sirianni is, or even if they're in contention for a number one seed. I just think he he flew under the radar last year because they did you know sneak into the playoffs. Uh, but I think this is exactly where Sirianni wants to be. And if the team is able to perform, people are going to know who he is. This is what, to me at least, with the NFC East, I keep saying the Eagles aren't better than the Cowboys until they actually beat the Cowboys. But we have to talk about, are the Eagles better than them or have they caught them? I think based on the pieces, I think the Eagles are better, personally. I think the the Tyron Smith injury for the Cowboys is huge. You start the year without Michael Gallup, and he's, he's going to come back, but then you lose, lose Amari Cooper, and you got Zeke, who was playing – Apparently playing hurt last year, and oh, he's going to be better. But I just, I just don't know. I just, I don't. I mean, the it's also the defense. I mean, they were unbelievable last year, and Dan Quinn is. I think he's a great coach and a great defensive mind. But you would think that that defense has to at least regress a little bit in terms of the turnovers that they were able to force. So I think it's also just a difference of. The Cowboys didn't do much in the offseason, and the Eagles did a lot. And so I, I do think public perception plays a lot into that and a reason why people just assume that the Eagles are better. I, I think it's I think it's very close. I think the Eagles might have them by a little bit, but you're right. They need to they need to beat them. They like if they don't beat them the first game, then there's nothing you can say about it. It's like it's the Cowboys division, and that's what you have to live with. Um, but at least they the Eagles set themselves up to have a very good chance to beat Dallas. Whereas Dallas based on last year, they just, they, it felt like it feels like they lost more than they gained. Do you feel Jerry Jones is kind of setting Mike McCarthy up to fail so he can make a run Sean Payton? Yeah, that situation's so strange. I, I, I like if, if Sean, if Sean Payton's available, I feel like unless McCarthy wins the Super Bowl or gets to the Super Bowl, it's like, we're going to take Sean Payton. Um, just based on like it, it seemed like they had a they had a really solid year last year, and they everyone. I mean, what he did against the 49ers and his coaching decisions that obviously gave he got a lot of flack for that as he should. But he they were toe to toe with a team that was a couple of plays away from getting to the Super Bowl. It's not like the 49ers were a slouch; they just happened to be in the wild card because they had the Rams and the and the Cardinals. And the Cardinals in the division, exactly. So it's like, but he, I think with that playoff game really tarnished what he was capable of in Dallas. And so it's like, if he doesn't, if they go 10 and six and even they lose in the divisional round or something, or even if they lose in the NFC Championship, I just think in Dallas, it's, it's Super Bowl or bust. And if Sean Payton's available, they're going to get him. So it's an unfortunate situation for McCarthy, even if he deserves to stay with the Cowboys it's going to take a lot for them not to go after Sean Payton. And maybe that's my issue with the Cowboys. You know, John, I had John Stoltz from Bleeding Green Nation on yesterday, and he said, you know, maybe the Cowboys fans and the Cowboys organization need to temper expectations a bit. They haven't been relevant in pretty much our lifetimes, essentially. Like, the, I was seven the last time they won a Super Bowl. I barely remember. But overall, it just feels like every year they get talked about. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. It, where they have a Super Bowl team or not, and – this year, I just don't think it's a Super Bowl caliber roster. Yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, I, it, it does help that the NFC, I think, is is wide open. Um, wide open. It's like if they were if they were in the AFC, I would say, yeah, McCarthy's done. Like even before the year, like they're just not going to win enough games for to warrant them not looking somewhere else. I, th- I mean, I I can respect Jerry Jones and for 
even though they haven't won so long, just understanding, hey, we have to give ourselves the best chance to win every single year. And going into next year, is Mike McCarthy the the best coach to help us do that? If Sean Payton went somewhere else, I would say, and McCarthy was decent, I would say stick to him. But it's just they – and there's so, so much pressure. I mean, the Cowboys fans aren't going to temper their expectations. They're they're Cowboys fans. They're America's team. And they're a different breed. They're a different breed, and they're never going to forget the greatness that they had, you know, before these last 15 years or so. So I think they're, they're never going to temper their expectations. It's just more about – the Cowboys organization needing to give them reason to hope that they can be a Super Bowl team. And I, I think Cowboys fans are also like wildly optimistic. So I think they still think that the team can be a Super Bowl contender this year. And I think they can make a run. I think they have the talent to do it, but I wouldn't say they're, if I was ranking my top five teams to get to the Super Bowl from the NFC, I think they would be just outside it. And, um, and there's also, there's, plenty of uh, chances that they could just, they could just miss the playoffs entirely. And if that happens, then people are going to absolutely freak out. Are the Eagles in that conversation for your top five? Yeah. 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 I would say this is like off the top of my head. I haven't really thought about this that much. I would probably say Packers one, Rams two, Bucks three, maybe Eagles four. And then five would be like, I think you have the Saints in there. You have the Cowboys in there. Vikings are very oh, 49ers. You know what? 49ers would probably be five. I mean, it, there's just a lot of a lot of questions. There's a lot of unknowns in in the NFC. There's a lot of teams that have gotten a lot of hype this offseason for a variety of different different reasons. Whether it's Trey Lance in San Francisco, Kevin O'Connell going to Minnesota, then you have. You know, Jameis Winston coming back, and he was five and two, and that defense is going to be good. I'm seeing too many people pick the the Saints over the the Bucks, and I get it that they can beat the Bucks, but that's about it. That's it, yeah. But and it's just like, uh, yeah, a lot of people are, are are picking the Saints to win that division, and it's just I I don't see it right now. I mean, you losing Sean Payton is such a big loss, and yes, Winston started five and two last year, but that was a small sample size. What's to say he's not gonna just revert back to his, you know, gunsling ways where he's throwing backbreaking interceptions. So it's just the NFC is so intriguing. And the AFC, you kind of know what you're going to get because all these teams have, you know, established quarterbacks. But every NFC team, it seems, has questions aside from the Rams. But then you have like Stafford's, you know, elbow inflammation. Is that going to? Apparently he's uh, better now. Like he's better than he was. But how many times have we heard that over the last month? He's better than he was last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. So it's just the NFC is going to be fascinating because there are big questions with every single contender, and I think it's going to make for a great race. This is my issue with the Saints. Do people forget how terrible of a coach Dennis Allen was the first time? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. He was like eight and twenty-four or something. He might have been even worse than eight and twenty-four, but he wasn't a good coach. And I still think they made the wrong hire. I think it should have been. He stays his defense coordinator, and they elevate Pete Carmichael, and they just kind of run the ship. And maybe they're still doing that in, in a sense, but I, I I don't know. It's the whole Dennis Allen. Same with Josh McDaniels. The whole vibe to me, it's just I don't like those guys as coaches, and I can't believe they got second chances as coaches. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's just, you know, you're better as 
in McDaniel's case, offensive coordinator or, or defense coordinator. And that's, that's just the role where you thrive and given more responsibility, you know, it, it takes away from your ability to one coach a defense and two, you just might, it just takes a certain kind of person that, that can be head coach in, in the NFL and the track record is not good. And, and that's not to say they're, they're going to be terrible uh, because they could, you know, there's, there's some guys that, you know, weren't, I mean, obviously people bring up Belichick and you know what, he wasn't good until he got to the Patriots, but I get got Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> none of these guys have Tom Brady, but yeah, I'm definitely skeptical. Um, yeah, the Raiders are are interesting, are a very interesting team, just because. Yeah, is he able? Is he going to be able to elevate the offense? Did they do enough on defense to to hang with the Chiefs and Chargers? Um, See, so yeah, that's and I think if these guys, the thing with these. I feel like when you have new head coaches, they come in uh, or first year head coaches, they come in and the expectations are, you know, tempered and you're like, okay, they're, as long as they're defense, they're decent this year, but McDaniels, the Raiders got to perform this year. Dennis Allen, the Saints got to be good. If they're not, then that leash is going to be so short. And it's kind of similar with like Nathaniel Hackett too. I mean, he, I guess he has, he has a little bit more of a, a leash with, with uh, the Broncos, I think, but you have a lot of coaches in year one that there's a lot of pressure to perform it. And these fan bases have playoff expectations, which isn't usually what happens when you have a first year coach. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to, we're going to build this thing from the ground up kind of like with the giants. I mean, they're still tearing it down right now, but what the giants are doing. So that's going to be, we'll see what happens with those teams. And if if they're, they're not performing well, uh, whether or not, you know, those leashes become very short and those organizations don't give those coaches the time to really try to turn it around because they're in win-now mode. I keep telling Giants fans this, and they know this. This isn't their year. It's not supposed to be their year. I, I wouldn't even be believing in Daniel Jones at this point because I, I don't think – I think they already made their decision, quite honestly. With him. Yeah, the, the thing with the Giants, and it's, like, bad to say – because the season's three days away. But, like, I think best-case scenario for Giants fans is that, like, Daniel Jones turns out not to be the guy. He they, Giants struggle. They finished – they have another bad year. They finish with a top seven, top five pick, and they go and get C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, or whoever – what other, other quarterback is going to come jump up into that conversation. I think that's really the best-case scenario because if you have – if Jones plays decent, then you're if you're looking at you know maybe a top fifteen pick, and then you're not getting that quarterback that can really be a difference maker. So, you're, you're Giants fans they they don't want to hear this, but it's like if they if they lose and if the season doesn't unfold how they want it to unfold, and they're not you know trying to fight for a playoff spot, then I think you have to be content with them to kind of just you know ride out the season, and at the end of the day you're you want a high pick because I mean, they had two, two top seven pick last year, but, and you've got guys that are, you hope to be difference makers, but if you turn one of those picks into a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young and you give, uh, you know, the, the new giants brass some more cap space, then you're building something. So I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting with Jones and it's like, what does he have to do to get an extension? He, he would have to do some more crazy stuff like he would he would have to have in 
insane stats. I feel it, like it had to be like a Patrick Mahomes type season. It would have to be like it would have to have to be a season that was is past what everyone thought his ceiling would be. Uh, and I just don't think that don't think that happens. I just don't want to see the Giants go seven and ten and miss out on a quarterback that could be their guy for the next ten years. Before I let you go, Dave Gelman to me was a special kind of GM. The Giants sucked when they hired Dave Gelman. Somehow he made them worse. What is what do you think is Dave Gelman's legacy right now in New York? Uh it's just, I mean, overpaying guys who <laughs> turned out to be pretty crappy. It's just that was like the best thing that could have that happened this past year is that not even like Joe judges, the fact that Gettleman got out of there because it was him that was giving these contracts to these players that just were not, that didn't deserve it. It was him. You know, giants miss on Devonta Smith in the 2021 draft. And then they, you know, go ahead and reach for Kadarius, Tony and, and t- Tony. I mean, if he's yeah, healthy, like a Parsons, that, that's the irony of the whole thing. Yeah. They just, they miss out on, like just home run guys and just people that are obvious because Gettleman's like, Oh, I need this guy. I need that guy. And so, yeah, his, I mean, his legacy is exactly what you said. He, he came in with an organization that, you know, was, had been pretty crappy and he made them worse. And I think that the best thing that happened this past off season was him being let go because you, you can see that the new GM just has so much, such a better feel. And he's just, it's just a competent person that's in charge of the organization. It's, it's kind of, it's simple. It's similar to, you know, Washington when they had Bruce Allen and you just, you just, he was so buddy, buddy with Schneider. And you heard these stories about Schneider making picks from his yacht and all that. And it's just, that's not, that's not like, just get an adult in the room. That's going to make competent football decisions. And I think the giants and Washington with, with Martin Mayhew, uh, they, they at least have that now. And that's a step in the right direction, even if they're not, the best GMs in the league. It's funny because the Giants of Washington, you can say they have more stable front offices than the Cowboys right now, which is kind of, as long as Jerry runs that ship, I don't think Cowboys are doing anything. Yeah, no, that's actually an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, because it's just when you get the owner so involved in the team, it's, I feel like good things just never happen. No. Like you it's just got to cool. let, <laughs> like let the coach – Coach, let the GM make his decisions. These are the guys that are grinding the tape and, and do like their work. They work their way up for 30 years. And then you have an owner that thinks he's an expert on football coming in and saying, oh, you know, maybe we should draft this guy. It's just that the dynamic sometimes is what really you know screws these teams over. And, and we'll see if I mean, even going back to the Colts and, and uh, Ursay really quick. It's just he was the one who basically was like, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta get Carson Wentz out of here. We gotta get Matt Ryan." And it's like, would that be, have been the decision of Reich and Ballard? Like, probably. But like, you're talking about another owner who is kind of getting in the way of what these get their guys who are supposed to be decision makers are want to do with the team. So, yeah, I agree with you on Jerry. That's a really good point. And I think to wrap up, yeah, the cow. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting NFC East because all these teams could be better than we expected but it could also just be a crapshoot again kyle i gotta get you on again i gotta get the whole cbs cast on here i got sully on tomorrow uh, once again thanks for coming on my friend awesome yeah looking forward to it hoping to hop back on once we've played a couple games and and we can react to stuff instead of just speculating <laughs> exactly thanks for coming on again kyle appreciate yeah, it of course thanks all right and i gotta give a tribute to joe mcdowell we're gonna put a bone show right after this 
Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. The faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. guys smash that like button i need you guys to tell your friends about this show we we love talking the nfc east here and we're going to be previewing so much tomorrow on football friday bills rams um commanders jaguars eagles line we're definitely talking eagles lines tomorrow believe me uh so i want you guys to smash that like button tell your friends share this show i hope you guys are enjoying it uh keep dropping stuff in the comment section it's awesome for us uh, I'm going to wrap this up really quick. So I'm a big NASCAR guy. Norfolk Spur Speedway is coming back. That track was left for dead in 1996. Absolutely dead. It was never coming back. It was a rot. It was saved. What NFL stadium would you want saved? What, what NFL stadium would you like to play a game in? I'll tell you mine right now. Franklin Field. I would love to see Eagles play one game in Franklin Field. It almost happened in 2010. I'll talk about this a little bit tomorrow. I would love to see Franklin Field host an NFL game again. Just one time. It almost happened in 2010 with the Eagles' 50th anniversary season. This is in honor of Norfolk Spurs Speedway, which is coming back to NASCAR. I'm excited. I'm all for it. But I want to see an NFL stadium come back. If the Bears have to play in Soldier Field for all eternity, if the Packers have to play in Lambeau Field for all eternity, so be it. But I'd love to see Franklin Field back with the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I would love to see it. 
Anyway, guys, going to wrap up the show here. We got a football Friday tomorrow. Cannot wait. We're going to wrap up the week. I'm going to have Tyler Sullivan from CBS Sports, National NFL writer like me. We're going to be talking some football tomorrow. Uh, have a good day, everybody.